You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. It is almost Thanksgiving. Happy Mm, almost Thanksgiving, everyone. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to dig into the next chapter in Emotions of the Gospel with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time for emotions and the gospel, digging into the next chapter, contemplation, which is part of the emotional process section in this book. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. All right, I'm ready to add to my emotional process toolbox because <laughs> I'm a guy. So, you know, referring to it as a toolbox oh is a good gosh, thing. Oh my gosh, do not genderify toolboxes, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> girls have tools too <laughs> this is true i was just saying as a guy i found it helpful oh that that's referred good. To okay. it as a toolbox okay that's good well that's we good. are going to talk about those male female right ideas and differences in emotion with a special guest i think later in the year so we'll come back to that whole thing but yes um, in 2023 <laughs> <I cannot laughs> but, but you're right the toolbox is a hopefully a helpful idea to picture having some things at the ready in order to value our emotions, not just in like a vague idea that emotions are valuable, but now we're going to like put that into action. We're actually going to engage with them and interact with them. There'll be some things that needs fixing because we're humans on this earth. And there'll also be some things that we can discover about ourselves and about God along the way and about our relationships. And so the toolbox is meant to be something that feels helpful and and something you want to engage with. Well, that answers my first question about revisiting the topic of why build or organize a a toolbox for processing emotion. So let's get to our first tool in the toolbox, contemplation. Why include contemplation among these tools? I think we need to know that there can be emotional processing without words. And there's more than one way we offer. There's, you know, in the four ways, there's more than one that doesn't necessarily have to involve words expressed And contemplation is a great place to start. It's not like I have to always talk about my emotions. And, you know, it's the same idea. One reason why a lot of people don't want to go to therapy out there is because they just feel like they just have to talk things to death then. And we need to know that that's not the only way that God gives us in order to process our emotions. I also think that we are made to be thinkers. You know, the classic cognitive behavioral therapy triangle of feelings, thoughts, and behaviors being connected is something that I take for granted that everyone knows about. But the reality is those three things are intimately connected, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors or actions. And so thoughts are part of the way we understand our emotions as well as the way our emotions are going to impact us and move through us. And so contemplation is a good first step, if you will. It's also not intimidating. We don't have to share it with anyone. (laughs) It can stay between me, myself, and I, um, or me and God, even better. Uh, But that is a little less intimidating than me expressing myself to someone. So where is the biblical foundation for contemplation? I like where this is. I really like the idea that Psalm 46 gives us of being still, not as like 
a relaxation and like complete peace because the reality is we live in a broken world. There's a lot of challenges and that stillness has a place when I don't feel peaceful, right? It, it's one of those kind of meta-emotional things that we interact with that like there's stillness to be had as a gift, not something I have to cultivate. And so Psalm 4610 says, be still and know and I think that concept of knowing we've talked about at length on Mental Health Monday, but I want to reiterate that this is one of God's goals. He's not trying to fix us as people, even though he redeems us. He's not trying to always teach us, even though he does teach us. You know, really, it comes back to that psalmal idea again and again in Scripture from Genesis 1 through Revelation when he says, come, to, you know, drink from the waters, come that he wants to know us, that he wants to spend time with us. And so one way scripture tells us in Psalm 4610 is that we can be in that space of knowing in stillness and not doing and running around and serving God. We can be. And so that's that concept. We're going to be still. Ironically, in the psalm, nothing is still around the psalmist. There's battles and wars raging. There's natural disasters that the psalmist is talking about. And so it doesn't mean that stillness has to exist around us. It's just a state of what we do as people before God, that there's a safe space for us, a place of refuge to be with God and with our emotions. What is essential to this concept of contemplation for us to understand how to, how to practice it? Yeah, I use the example of my grandfather fishing with me and teaching me to fish because I'm a talker. I like words. I like expression. I'm the person who's more comfortable with that. But, you know, my grandfather taught me, and the way I phrase it in the book is sometimes if we talk too much, we get in the way of connection and growth. And, and if you think of the metaphor, which we talked about on the last episode of fishing, that it's not something you can do with a bunch of noise, you know, and things around you. And so we can enter into that place of stillness. And when I talk about contemplation, I want people to know that it doesn't have to be lengthy. Sometimes we picture these mental health tools as, as something, something more on my to-do list, something more that I have to add to my timetable. When really, I always encourage people to set a timer for two minutes to start and just simply be with your emotions and think about them. That's all. Notice them, bring them to your awareness, you know, and we can work through a little bit more specifically an example in a minute. But I do think that idea that we're just thinking about what's going on inside of us, that's contemplation instead of ignoring it, stuffing it down, or just throwing it out without awareness. I have a feeling that some people listening to this might start to feel a little uncomfortable about the thought of sitting with our emotions. Why is this hard? Because you mentioned you're a talker. I definitely process things more verbally too. Why is this hard for some people to, to get into that space of contemplation? Mm -hmm. The stillness is remarkably uncomfortable for us. I think this is such an interesting way that Part of it is because of human in a broken world, but part of it is God works in paradox so often 
you know, if you look for the tensions of life, the things held together that don't really make sense to us, so often you find God there. You know, law and gospel itself is, wait, is this how it's supposed to work? Like, how do these things work together? But they coexist. One doesn't solve the other. And and that's how stillness is for us with peace, right? I go to lay down to bed at night. And this is what I hear over and over again from therapy clients, as well as people when I'm out there doing presentations, that that's one of the most challenging times for them emotionally is when we're forced because of the mechanics of sleep and our need as humans to be with our emotions because we're still, you know, we we want peace. We really want it. And we do have it. We have the peace that passes all understanding. That's just a, a reality of ours in Christ Jesus. However, our sensation of that is very different often for us when we lay down to sleep at night. So I think that's part of it is because stillness and awareness then that goes with it makes us uncomfortable because we feel things in a human body and to get our attention. Like I said, it's one of the things God uses. And then we want to be comforted. We want to be comfortable. And that's a natural thing as well. But we we get to have both at one time and that's a fuller thing. And so I think that's one thing that makes it really difficult. Also, we want to we want to be connected. That's comforting to us. So me telling you how I feel feels much more validating often than me validating myself and being like, oh, you're sad. <laughs> but there is power in validating ourselves and our own emotional life as well as letting God do the work of that instead of always expecting people to do that for us. How we experience contemplation, how we go about contemplation, I suppose could vary from person to person as well, as you described yourself as someone who likes to talk. And so experiencing contemplation for one person who likes to talk might be very different for a person who likes to be quiet all the time, I gather, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one thing we do is we use contemplation a little bit as a defense mechanism sometimes. So we have to define a little bit more like what it is and how sometimes we get in our own way. So then the people who are not talking people, who are not expression-related people as far as processing naturally goes or that they lean toward gift and skill-wise, are those of us who like thinking a lot. Like, that sounds fantastic. I want to think about things, you know? And um, I, I love the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod because we're a thinking church body and we we love thinking. But when I think and then try to still disconnect from those sensations of emotion in my body, when I use that to get away from those sensations in my body, that's not contemplation. <laughs> contemplation, by definition, is a connected that we have between heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, all of those places of ourselves, as well as with God. And so awareness is often uncomfortable for us as humans. We are vulnerable. We are not God. We do live in a broken world. Our awareness of that brokenness is something that sets us apart from like the animal kingdom and from nature and all of that. And so just like we talked about last year in Finding Hope, that awareness is something that can be really uncomfortable. So if you're contemplating without the awareness, if you're trying to get away from the awareness of the brokenness of it or try to get away from the sensations of emotion in your body, I love you. That's not contemplation. <laughs> so just to clarify, for those of us who have this like ongoing internal monologue that happens throughout the day, that is not actually contemplation, is it? 
<laughs> That's a really good point, Sarah. Yeah, it can be, right? You can create it as a work of contemplation intentionally. I think a huge word here is intentional. Like we we do mm. do we offer a time for it, a place for it, a space for it was another word that we used in the last podcast when we talked about emotional processing. And so the internal monologue is good, but how aware are you of that, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're maybe extremely aware, but most of the time, I would say 75 to 90% of the time, we're not extremely aware of our internal monologue. And so contemplation is the work of connecting those dots, being able to be with whatever's happening in my body sensation-wise, what my thoughts are, and bringing those things together. Especially, I love it when it's a practice that we do then before God, like a prayerful practice, a confession-based practice where we share it with him in conversation. You know, it doesn't have to be out loud. That's contemplation. Like our thoughts are intended to connect us to him too. And so, Sarah, you can take that inner monologue especially if it's a maybe a little negative self-talk, if you have that going on inside of yourself, to, to note that, to bring that awareness up, that's the beginning of contemplation, to notice it and to give it those, that two minutes of space or longer and to be curious about it. So that's another piece of contemplation is curiosity, like, huh, I wonder why I feel not good enough right now. I wonder... Is there sadness there too? Or am I hurt? You know, what else is in that? And let the other emotions rise to the surface and just kind of consider it. I, I think that's a really powerful thing when we can engage with that inner monologue a little bit more for our mental health. It is Mental, Mel- mental Health Monday with Ticket is Hiding Game and we'll continue the conversation right here on the Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We are digging into emotions and the gospel. Deacon is Heidi Gaiman. This week, we're taking a look at one of the tools for our emotional toolbox, contemplation. Now, we talked a little bit about how it can be, how contemplation might be difficult for some, might be challenging. Earlier, you mentioned that it doesn't need to take very long. So let, let's talk about the, the amount of time one might spend in contemplation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love it. I mean, one reason I'm a therapist is and a deaconess, too, is because like I want to contemplate a lot. Like I want I want my life to be full of contemplation. And so I create spaces for that for other people so we can be together in that contemplation. And that's kind of a fun you know, mashup often of contemplation and expression as an EMDR therapist and eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapist that that particular therapy has moments of silence. That is, that's a great place of contemplation where I'm not trying to fill in it, the space with words and neither is that person. 
And so I, I am a big fan. So I create a lot of moments for contemplation in my life. And some of you might be able to reflect on how you also do that professionally or personally. That said, some of us are much more like action or doing oriented. First of all, there will be some processing tools available for you in some of the next ep- episodes. But we can all gain from using each of these tools, especially the ones that are less automatically familiar to us, because that usually gives us information that we haven't had before, right? It builds a different kind of awareness. And so I think that's kind of a cool thing. I'm curious, you know, how comfortable contemplation is for each person when you dip your toe in the water, if you will, of this tool, see how it works for you. Again, bring that awareness to the surface. Like I said, set a timer if you'd like to have a time so you know you don't have to spend tons of time on it. And then bring some awareness of what you're feeling in your body, those sensations. Notice it. You can name it if you want, even though that doesn't have to happen, just kind of noticing it. And then getting curious, like asking questions about it, bringing it before God, asking for help with it. That's all a part of contemplation. So I like the the vocabulary that you give us in this chapter, talking about when we're contemplating, putting a name to the things that we may be experiencing with feelings, emotions, and moods. And a lot of times I think we do interchange those mm-hmm. as kind of the same thing, but the, there, there's a bit of a difference between them, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And, you know, it's all semantics. <laughs> so <laughs> to some degree, I don't want anyone to be totally wrapped up in this. And and people will use them a little bit differingly, right? Like you you Google a word and, you know, Merriam-Webster's dictionary online is going to say one thing and then the Urban Dictionary is going to say something else. And then there's also <laughs> right, the Google Dictionary. And so be aware that there's just words. We're, we're figuring that out, right? Um, and sometimes they change a little bit over time. But I think I offer what I offer in the book is what we know from, you know, several years of research, what words serve us well and how they help us in understanding the differences between those three things that you just said. So feelings is really the sensations of emotion, right? That's I feel it in my body when I say, for instance, that I'm uh, happy or I have gladness. What does that feel like in my body is is the feeling aspect of it. You know, I, I almost like I can feel the smile coming to my face or the brightness coming to my eyes with gladness. There's a little bit of a laugh like stuck in the middle of my chest. Like that's a feeling of gladness, a little energy rising up from my feet into my legs that goes with that. So that's an example of feelings and why we call that feelings. Then emotion is a fuller idea of that, that it's a, a conceptualization of it. There's a word usually that I can have for it or a metaphor that I can attach to it. It's more than just that sensation of it in my body. It's that thought connected to it um, alongside the sensation, my whether I'm aware of it or not. And then mood is longer lasting. So emotions are for a moment. Like we're not, we do have a therapeutic exercise called a leaf on a river where it's just, you see the leaf and it, you're not going to stop it on the river. It's just going to continue going. It's part of my life for a moment and then it's gone. And that's really comforting about emotions, actually. <laughs> like the, I'm not stuck with them like long-term. Moods are the things that stick around a little bit. Even they have movement oriented toward them. Like I don't, I usually don't, I'm not in a bad mood for my entire life, right? Instead, it's 
a, a season or a space in time or a couple days, maybe a couple weeks, a mood can feel uncomfortable because it shifts and it's a little confusing to us at times, but it's that longer experience of emotion. That said, that's one reason why moods are confusing is because there's usually more than one emotion involved in a mood because we are we are complicated people. And I would like to say that most of the time you're experiencing more than one emotion at a time, which we've talked about before. How do we set aside time or make, hmm, how do we help others understand that maybe I need a minute to contemplate mm -hmm. or how do we guard some time for contemplation? A really good question. One reason I offer different charts, as you call them, Andy, in the, <laughs> in the book is because there's, I think we need some ways to get started. So in the book, I offer some questions we can sit with. I think in therapy, we also relationally have a, a skill in dialectical behavior therapy called pause. And this is not therapy, but it's a, you can Google this idea. So it's not like new information for the world that I'm not supposed to pass on. So pause is a very basic concept that I can take a hot second before I respond that there's something between my sensation that I feel of the emotion and my awareness of it, and then whatever I want to do to process that, or if I want to move toward contemplation and move closer to it, if I want to try to shut it down and move farther away from it, if I want to share it. And you're right, relationally, other people, since we're co-regulating, pick up our emotions sometimes before we do even, which is a just wild and mysterious thing. But I am allowed to either say I need a pause. That's a really good way. Be direct and verbal, but also just simply take the pause. Like a breath is a really good tool for this, that there's a rhythm to it and I can take a breath. You even in creating that question, Andy, you took your time. Like you didn't just plow ahead and try to fill the space you were contemplating what you wanted to say and how you wanted to say it and asking the question. And so I could hear the pause there, probably because you weren't quite sure what you wanted to say. Well, I could get anxious about that, or I could just let the pause be there alongside that maybe little bit of anxiety and then move toward it. That's a way of processing your emotion in that moment is with that pause. With all of this contemplation and talking about thinking through our emotions and, and connecting them. What does that do for us physically in our bodies when we actually take that time and take the pause to work through this in ourselves? Well, first, I think the most important thing it does is it tends to deal with the natural shame that comes from living in a broken world, or the cultural shame that comes from feeling emotion at times, and it doesn't store it up inside our person. So in our last episode, we talked a little bit about what happens when we store our emotions up instead of letting them um, move from our unconscious to our conscious or letting them have some space. And so I think that's one of the most important ways it impacts our body is that it gives some release. I think it's the word we're looking for. One knows the feeling of tension. I think if I talk about you know, think about it across the back of your shoulders or in your neck or a tension headache. If we focused in on that tension for a second and noticed how we were feeling, the other sensations of our body that could then give rise to 
a word about emotion, or if we simply even just were with that tension and ask God, you know, okay, help me with this tension. It comes from something. Then that processing does, we know from research, help release some of that tension so that I'm not, you know, either exacerbating it or living with this tension headache for hours on end. Any other thoughts on contemplation as we wrap up our time together today? I know, like how much more time do we have? I feel like... (laughs) (laughs) I know, there's so much more. We Just about a minute left. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. Well, I think I would turn the, the reader, especially to each of these processing chapters, contemplation being the first one, I offer a few examples in scripture. And so someone who wants to get started with contemplation and isn't quite sure, um, that's a really good place to start that feels very connected to God. If I enter into some of the words of contemplation offered in scripture, ponder is one of them. And I have uh, some biblical examples next to it for where you can find some of that language, like Psalm 4 or Luke 2, 14 through 20. I usually... Um, like to offer a psalm as well as a gospel or an Old Testament and also a New Testament. And it's, it's really cool, especially when we get to see the, the person, the divine God man of Jesus Christ and his experience with these things. So I encourage you to look at those, but ponder like, okay, let's just ponder pondering. That's contemplation. Let those sensations come up in your body. Be aware of them around that word pondering, around that psalm or gospel that you read, and let them connect to your own emotional experience in that moment. You don't have to do anything else with them. Just wonder about them, ponder them, give them that space that is a a good thing for helping them move in our bodies, giving us the release that we need, some comfort, I think, also in a hard world with our the heaviness that kind of comes with emotions at times. And next time we get to put another tool in our emotional processing toolbox. So we move on to the next one in Emotions in the Gospel. Thanks so much, Heidi, for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.